Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to live my life, putting purpose over profit. Too many fallen soldiers, too many slain prophets. Eyes on the prize, yeah, I gotta watch it. Agents amongst us, get your hand out my pocket. I'm sick with the pet. Brothers and sisters are sick in the pet. Oppressed by the man, attacked by the clan. America's plan, depression sets in. People becoming so hopeless. Said we can't breathe, they still choke us. They put the body cam on, it's either turn off or out of focus. Yeah, another death, another life. They pull the trigger, no thinking twice. Cops be wildin', the killing youth. The new Jim Crow, a different noose. It's the beast, it's the beast, mark of the beast. Cease and desist, increase the peace. Move in silence, don't make a sound. But when they come, stand your ground. R.I.P. to all the martyrs. Say your prayer, Heavenly Father. Black lives matter, black lives matter. Welcome, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. It is officially Black History Month 2022. I'm here with the professor. What's going on, professor? What's going on, good brother? It's been a minute. We've been going for a minute. Now we're back at the jump off. It's good to see you, brother, especially on today. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's like we never left. Every time we get back together, it's like we never left, man. Absolutely. I guess that's the uh, Aquarian effect. This is one of those things, right? Always. Always, baby. <laughs> and we're starting off the year right because we actually have our first paid sponsor. And well, all right. here it is. So shout out to Brother Bullock. So he actually created a company called Hey Black Dad, which is awesome. And essentially, Hey Black Dad helps expecting fathers prepare for pregnancy, labor, birth, plus postpartum, all things that are incredibly useful. And he actually has a PDF out right now, which is learn the six life changing secrets every expecting father needs to know. So, again, I love what Peter is doing and, you know, more power to him. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, you know, in case folks out there in these streets don't know, I'm a father now. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm, and I'm congratulations, right? <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you, man. So, you know, hey. Speaking yeah, of. Shout out to the sky. Exactly. Hey. <laughs> so congratulations to the Israel family. A, a wonderful, beautiful blessing. Yes, sir. Blessing indeed. So, um, you know, definitely something that has put my life into a clearer perspective and focus and purpose and you know definitely some reflections later on as we continue the conversation about black history month in 2022 absolutely so as an educator if you don't mind me asking when you think about black history month and really articulating that message to developing minds what do you tend to think of as an educator as the innovative educator absolutely i appreciate that question because um, you already know, even if you didn't ask that question, I was going to come with some type of framework. This is how I do. I think it's important for us as educators to always enter the space with um, two things, more than two things, of course. But I think two things that really are essential to making sure that um, you're able to articulate your message or be able to engage with folks around a topic. And for me, that's POV and POE. So POV being point of view, perspective. POE being a point of entry. 
Mm. Uh, for POV point of view, what is my perspective? What is my lens? How do I view the world? How do I view the topic? Um, and then POE is the point of entry. How are we going to enter this conversation? Um, what is the guiding principles or what are the guiding principles? What's the framework that we should be using to engage? Realizing that we're all coming from different walks of life, different spaces, different places, different experiences. Um, so we can't just say Black History Month and let's have a conversation. We have to do some scaffolding and make sure that we're entering in some type of similar common ground, some type of common knowledge, definitions, et cetera. That being said, for me, my point of view or my POV, my perspective, um, for any folks who know anything about identity development, I probably said this before in one of our other streams, um, and I did my graduate work on this too, when I was talking about um, college choice and identity development and students who choose historically black colleges and universities or predominantly white institutions. Um, it's this whole notion of Cross's model of negrescence, which is a psychosocial theory that talks about identity development. And for me, if you go through that, it's five different stages. There's other places they might have to break it down to six or whatever the case may be. But again, it's a theory. Um, but there's a lot of research and stuff that's backed up to this. So Cross's model of negrescence. Um, I would say that my point of view, my perspective, the way that I enter the world and every space I'm in, as an educator or otherwise, I'm in that fifth stage, which is in, which is in internalization and commitment which means that I view the world through a black lens, solely through a black lens first, realizing that mm. um, that's my jumping off point. It's not a, 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 a misunderstanding that everything in the world is black, but my, intr um, my entry into how I look at things, view things, is gonna be from that black perspective first. I'm unapologetically black, right? Um, the great poet Wale said, sue me, I'm rude for everyone's black. And we could talk about what blackness is and define blackness, but in terms of where I am, I'm in that stage five, where it's internalization commitment, where I see the world through my black lens. That's how I enter conversations, et cetera. But also know that that's not the only experience, but that's my jumping off point. Yes, sir. I mean, <laughs> in terms of point of entry, uh, when we talk about Black History Month, I think growing up, growing up, and you can, you can answer this question, growing up. In um, Harlem world. Have you heard this, brother? Um, man, it's messed up, man. We Black Mac History Month in February. They gave us a they gave they <laughs> they gave us the shortest month of the year. Have you heard that before? I have heard that, especially since my birthday's in the shortest month of the year. Absolutely. So that's also a misconception because one, who's the they? First of all, no one gave us anything if we want to have that conversation, right? Um, and it's intentionally in February for a number of different reasons. But if we go back and talk about the uh, the origins of Black History Month. Um, folks who know that it started off as Negro History Week, and it was during the week that had um, Frederick Douglass' birthday as well as Abraham Lincoln's birthday. And Carter G. Woodson, famed for a number of different articles, but um, in, a, in publications, folks might know him more so about the miseducation of the Negro. Um, it started off as Negro History Week and then bloomed, I think, 1926, Negro History Week, and then Black History Month, full-fledged month, I think, in 1976. Um, so we see this as an evolution into the month. So when folks say, oh, they gave us the shirt, nah. That you're already at a wrong point of entry because that's not where the conversation should start. It shouldn't start from a, a model of a, a deficit model, right? It should start from a model of strength because we started here on our own. Carter G. Woodson said this is how it should look, and then we built on that. Um, so I think those are the essential topics or things that we need to discuss. We're talking about Black History Month. We have to first set the table, set the tone, let folks know how we're entering, have that point of view and perspective, have that point of entry, and then then we can really start to talk, talk about what Black History Month is, what it should be, where we are, where we're going. Absolutely. Because when I think about Black History Month, I think about your two questions that you posed, right? Where are we currently? And also, where are we going? 
So I was, view, you know, just being just being myself, I wanted to observe us from a a third party lens, but a, a favorable one, because usually it's the they that's uh, using using their own lens to perceive us, which is isn't always accurate, as we already know. And, and I feel like it's time to start taking control of our of our image, if you will, you know, do things like, you know, Tyler Perry and, and things what and whatnot, and maybe not necessarily exactly like him. But having the ingenuity to create your own and then you get to control what is perceived. And then I, I, I guess I looked at it in three major categories, health, wealth and relationships. So when it comes to health, I'm looking at the, you know, the top 10 causes for, you know, for black uh, for black death, which is usually heart disease. Right. Things like stroke, homicide, uh, you know, things like that. And also the obesity rate is, I feel like, a little bit too high. So I feel like those things will correlate a little bit. So I feel like we need to be very conscious and deliberate in what we not only consume, but what what we also feed to those developing minds that you spoke of. Yes, I think that's great. And I think just just to touch upon health and wellness real quick, um, make no mistake about it, COVID is serious. COVID is real. Um, and people talk about it and people, you know, they have their their opinions about it, whether you're on either side of the aisle, wherever you are. Maybe you're not even in the aisle. You're just in the conversation discussion. It's you're a human being on this earth who's dealing with something. Um, if we can take certain health precautions to protect ourselves against COVID, for example, um, and we're very vigilant and we have a sense of urgency, I hope we can take that piece, that sense of urgency and immediacy and put it in other places of our lives, such as you talk about obesity, right? You think about what this health wellness really mean. Um, how can you protect yourself against other viruses that's not COVID-19, such as morbid obesity, such as drugs and alcohol, such as how do I get myself checked up if there's something wrong with me in terms of my feelings, right? So if I have depression, if I have anxiety, if I have mental illness, how do I go get that checked up too? Shout out to Dr. Um, Ashley Oliver. Yes. How do how do we how do we find folks who know where we're coming from, what we're dealing with, right? Because that cultural piece is important. Um, and how do we have that routine maintenance, right? You we wouldn't just drive our cars or you know whatever the case may be, something that we own. We wouldn't just do it and not take it in for oil change or get the tires rotated or whatever. I mean, we wouldn't do that, exactly. right? Because we know that sometimes folks just be loving their cars and things like that. But on the, on the other hand, it's like, we're going to take care of something that we know we're supposed to be taking care of or something that we really find to be valuable. I don't know if we really find our health, our health valuable as, as something that's popular. And that's for a number of different reasons. I think it comes back to Carter G. Woodson when we talk about miseducation, right? Um, through, through weapons of mass media. Mm-hmm. Um, education, miseducation system, criminal justice or injustice system, however you want to look at it. There's a lot of things that, you know, might feed into our own self-image, our own perceptions of who we are, all the things we can be. There's a lot of pieces that might weigh on our psyche on a daily basis to the point where at the end of the day, we either don't focus on our health or we use things that are unhealthy for forms of coping mechanisms or vices, et cetera. Yes. So I think that health piece is important, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, Spiritual, because I think the world, as many people have said, is becoming more and more spiritually and morally bankrupt. Um, There's nothing that tethers us to the sense of reality or something greater than who we are. So sometimes you just look in the mirror and it's like, oh, it's just me against the next person. Um, 
and I don't really have anything that's going to hold me down, support me, et cetera. So why is life worth living, right? You see the numbers of suicide rates. You see the numbers of folks who are not doing well. You see the numbers of relationships that are ending in, in, in all different types of things, whether it's domestic violence, abuse. There, there are people who are struggling, who are hurting because, one, they don't have a strong sense of self. They've been told that they're less than. So this miseducation piece feeds into all these things, such as health, wealth, and relationships. So I think that's that's great three categories that you just said. Absolutely. And I thought it would be great to get a, another perspective as well. So we're actually going to bring in our, our first guest, who is a major pillar in the Trenton community and wears a, a number of different hats, one of which may be uh, pink and green because he's an AKA in addition to being a recovery coach and also being one of the few black executives, female executives in Trenton, New Jersey. And it is Miss Annette Lartigue. What up, boss? Hey, it's good to be here tonight. Hello, all. Hello. I jumped in a little late. I want to apologize because I was on another call uh, talking about hey. Women's History Month and celebrating the International Black Man's History Day, which is November 9th. So we were having that conversation, but let's get to the meat of things. You talked about healthcare, education, disadvantaged jobs, uh, and things of that nature. Some progress has in fact been made, but I would risk here tonight telling you that if we don't get our solidarity game together, <laughs> we're walking in the very mud that Harriet tried to run through to free us. Amen. And her position at that time was, I could have freed more if only they'd known. And so, you know, as we talk about where we've been and where we need to go, I think we need to do a better job or increase the job of educating children at a young age about our history and our culture. The African-American Museum has digital access that is open to share and learn about some of these things. And I think it's critical to our success as a people to put the sneakers down. Hip hop almost destroyed us. And I love hip hop. Mm. I love the game. But it almost destroyed our community in that the music is subliminal. And the music gets in the ears of our kids. How many times have you been at a stoplight and had your windows down and saw a baby and a young child in the back seat, and then music was glaring about B's and H's mm. and N? I don't like the N word. I don't think there's ever an appropriate time for it. And it has become a part of our culture in our language. So there are many things that need to change, but where we are and, and where we've been, I think the biggest, the, one of the largest um, issues of disparity for us is in the uh, police brutality with our police. I think it's also in the fact that the Black Lives Matter movement, they have an impact report from 2020. If you get a chance to read it, please do. But where are we now with that? Do we need a crisis to have a movement? We should have a movement 24 seven. 
our healthcare system. You guys were talking about healthcare when I jumped in, I think, or made some mention of it. And here's what I want to tell you. As the ambassador or one of the ambassadors for 2021 for the American Heart Association, I guarantee you, and as a diabetic, rarely will you step in a doctor's office and they speak to you about anything except medication. And rarely will they discuss with you the impact of diabetes on the heart. So folks walk out with a bunch of pills and medication and insulin and have no idea of the damage that's being done to their kidneys or their heart because it's not a discussion. Mm. So I think we need to do more to educate our people about how to engage in the healthcare system. That's critically important. I also believe that black men are and should be our lead in these areas. And I believe that because if you look at statistics and how we educate our people and the most, if you look at podcasts, for example, and you look at the news, women watch that like they watch a burger and fries on a good day and they're cheating on their diet. They watch it. They hear you. They listen. We need more of you. We're talking about black history, where we've been and where we're going, right? We need more of you. And so <clears throat> that is important. I don't, I, I think we're intimately familiar with our societal shortcomings. I, I, and as, In fact, as an adult, I know that we are. And I also believe that we have to challenge ourselves as much as they do. Example, our host spoke about me having an opportunity to be one of, one of the first executives, one of, there's a few, in uh, Mercer County, Black executives. And when I tell you, if only they had known I could have freed more of them. We fight with them and we fight against us. So if we're gonna talk about black history, we should start with who's leading this movement and not to suggest by any means that women cannot. But I think the community as a whole hears you more effectively than you believe. Actually, I know it. Look at the numbers and look at statistics. They do a lot to beat black men down on a regular basis. And they beat them down so that they can destroy our families. And they destroy our families by removing our lead. Some of y'all gonna get that on the way home. But the idea is to engage more in solidarity, to respect and honor our lead, and to prepare men to be lead. Most people think that lead means just submission. It does not. It means so much more than that. And so many misunderstand what submission is. They look at it as a weakness. So there's a lot of work that we have to do. Our societal ills are many, but we got to get to the root of it. And I think the root is solidarity, recognizing who, what, and how great we are, recognizing the contributions that we have in fact made 
that get downplayed. Why are we celebrating Black History in February? That's a 365 day a year celebration. Mm. We built this junk, or John, as they would say. <laughs> we built it. We built this, and we have to recognize that and teach our kids that. And so we have to start with educating our children. I like to see more authors write children books that speak to our history in a way that will engage them. So if it takes music, let's create music that our um, daycare and, and pre-K kids can start to listen to that tells them we are a great people. The solidarity is the key. And I don't care how much we move, we're gonna take five steps backward if we don't get with that piece first. Yes, yes, yes. Um, if I may. So I was picking up everything that you were putting down and it was a lot. Um, I'm going to try to sift through a number of different pieces. Um, and there's some things that I'm not going to push back and disagree. I just have I just have a difference of opinion in one space and, I, and I'll talk about it in a second. Um, one, I agree with you 100 percent about solidarity. And in my young, young life, um, I realized that it's difficult to achieve solidarity I mean, everyone always wants to say, you know, we're not a monolith, duh. No one is, no one thing is. Um, you could walk down the aisle, there's a bunch of different types of cereal. All of them might be owned by General Mills, but General Mills is not a monolith. They have different brands of cereal and flavors of cereal, right? So when people talk about we're not a monolith, like whatever, throw that conversation out the door, right? That That's just old. We get that. Got it. Um, so it's going to be tons of disagreement from time to time. So when I was thinking about the reflections of this piece in terms of getting to that solidarity, um, my whole question about you know, where do we go or where are we and where are we going? My whole note that I put down was let's define the we. Mm. Who is the we as a collective? Because we can't even we can't even come to terms to have a common definition of blackness. So when we talk about us as a black people in solidarity, there's a lot of work that needs to be done because you know, you have folks who are like, you know, I'm a pan-Africanist. You have other folks who say I'm ADOS, you know, um, American descendants of slavery or the slaves. Um, you have folks who say I'm a five percenter. You have folks who say I'm a, there's there's we again, we're not a monolith. Right. So we talk about solidarity. There's no code of conduct sometimes. And going back to that miseducation piece, a lot of folks who think that, you know what? Maybe the white man's water is wetter, colder, better. Or there might be some folks who say, I don't even think that's true. However, if I can differentiate myself from some of my peers and get further out of this barrel, as these crabs are in this barrel, then I could be better off. And some people will sell out and sell themselves to differentiate themselves from someone who's just like them. Then we think about what our families look like or don't look like. You talk about the lead. Our families look totally different and we're moving towards 2040, right? We're supposed to be the nation of majority and minority, which I don't, I don't really appreciate that term anyway. You know, when we talk about minorities, you know, one person said, you know, people keep talking about black folks are a minority. No, we're the global majority. If you want to frame it differently, mm. we're the global majority. So when we think about who we are, we talk about Black History Month as it pertains to those so-called Americans or African-Americans or however you identify as a person who's on the contiguous United States, right? Are we talking about people in the UK? Are we talking about people in the motherland? Are we talking about people in Australia? What are we talking about as it pertains to black? Is it just the color of your skin, the melanin that you have? Or, um, is it really a mentality? Is it is it the, the spiritual connection? Because we get, it's almost, okay, Brother Josh said you're an AKA, right? 
I'm alpha. So you talk about divine now organization. Sometimes why can't we just stroll together at a party and just keep it cordial? Why are you beefing? Because you know, you mad because I'm strolling during your song. If wipe me down comes on, maybe I want to do a step two, even though I'm not a capper. Mm. But there's so much status and nonsense that gets in the way. All this pomp and circumstance gets in the way of solidarity in any way, shape, or form. Again, that's miseducation. I think that is an intergenerational thing because I'm not pointing fingers or placing blame, but there has been a drop in terms of values that have been instilled in our children. So there's some folks who are like, ah, children can do whatever they want. And I'm in education. I'm all about autonomy, agency, but appropriately so. But some folks don't have a backbone to stand up against big trendy things and say, you know what? That's not appropriate. That's not a choice that a three-year-old should be making. And we can get into all of that. But I have so many counter arguments and so many counter narratives where folks might say, well, it's their choice. Okay, so little Billy picks up a cigarette at three years old and says, I want this. It's my choice. Are you going to allow little Billy to smoke that cigarette? Or do you have some type of moral value associated with cigarettes and you don't want them to do that? So let's really talk about what choice is, right? So when we talk about all these pieces, it's difficult to get the solidarity. So my question is, will we ever get to solidarity or do some folks have to move realizing that some folks might get left behind? Do some folks have to lead realizing that some folks hopefully might follow, but if not, whatever. I don't know what it looks like. I'm just throwing these things out there. But the question was, how do we define the we? Who is the we as a collective? Two, I wouldn't say that hip hop ruined things. I make a distinction between hip hop and rap. Hip hop being more of the cultural aspects and the pieces of the five elements or four, and then you could throw knowledge of self on there, right? Which is different from the rap music, which is a commodity, which is something that has been misappropriated, commodified, bastardized, and just completely taken over by white males and all these other folks who do the same thing with the demonic music industry as it shows up and manifests itself. So I would make the distinction between hip hop and rap music. I'm with you if we talk about rap music ruining things and big business in that industry. But hip hop, as an educator who uses hip hop pedagogy, I, I push back on that a little bit. I think hip hop is actually, if used correctly, a liberation tool. And dare I say, if Harriet would say it, she probably, she probably would agree that hip hop could be liberating. But that rap piece, that's poison. All the music that we're hearing, some of this so-called rap music is poison. The stuff that they're selling in the rap music inside of, is a commodity inside of a commodity. May I? Marketing side of marketing. And then the last piece I would say is that I work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. And the more and more I enter that space, the more and more I realize we're in trouble. And that's because people are coming from all different walks of life. People are always trying to argue in the way of might is right. Whoever's the loudest is the smartest. And again, if we don't have any, in my opinion, moral foundation or grounding, something that's greater than us as individuals, something that's into institutionally grounds us and brings us together to that solidarity, whether it be a higher power, a deity, or whatever the case may be, maybe it's five common principles, whatever it might be. If we don't have that, it's going to be difficult for that solidarity piece. But the more spaces I enter, I don't want to say I'm losing hope. I just think we're running out of time. And there's a sense of urgency that we need to move with. And a lot of folks aren't moving with it. Or because of these new generations that we have, we have Generation Z. Now we have Generation Alpha coming along. And, you know, 
we put them into these groups and generations of studies, research, et cetera. It doesn't mean it's all the same for each person, but this is just ways to make sense of the people who are coming through. Uh, we're losing our children. We're losing our children for a number of ways. One, because we give our children voluntarily up to the oppressor to educate them or miseducate them. So there's there, there needs to be some type of 360 approach to getting back on track. And I agree with all the things that you said. I just wanted to make that distinction between hip hop and rap for me. Go ahead, boss. Well, I certainly appreciate that. I enjoy dialogue and I absolutely enjoy differences of opinion. I do because I can always learn something. But here's what I'll tell you about hip hop. Mm -hmm. I said I love hip hop. It's not all of hip hop, but hip hop started it. Mm -hmm. It started there. And I think, quite frankly, that our music is one of the biggest injections of poison right now. If we want to talk about how it's getting into the psyche. You also talked about the we. For me, it's any people of color. I don't care who they are. I don't care where they come from. I don't care where they live. It's any people of color. We start in our own communities first, though. That's where we have to start. And with respect to solidarity, I think the principles of Kwanzaa attempted to unite us in those seven. We get lost even there. Mm -hmm. But here's what I'll say to that. That is a direct result of what we listen to and what we do. Now that sounds simple. And I like to keep it simple because my audience is typically an audience that I want to be able to reach, whether they have a PhD, whether they're doctors, lawyers, or Indian chiefs. Is what we do and what we listen to. When my grandson, who's three years old now, is with me. There are only certain things that can be on the speaker, the television, or the iPad. I'm teaching him to use a computer and read now. But there are only certain things that can be there. What we expose ourselves to is what we become. What we hear and believe is what we become. We've lost ourselves in things that are penetrating our minds and making us believe we have nothing to believe in. So I think the solidarity just begins in our community first. I think it's people of color. I don't care who, what, where, how. My family is so combined, it's unbelievable, even to me sometimes. Um, we have the look of any and everybody on this earth because of tampering. If I get into that, I'm gonna be on a rant. So I'm gonna move away from that quickly, okay? And in terms <laughs> of losing our children, let me just tell you that the disparity that I speak of with respect to police and in health and education has a direct is as a direct result of us losing our two-parent households. Mm -hmm. And until we can get back to that and understand that, 
our children are going to be lost because listen, I'm going to take a lot of flack for this, even from, from some people in my family. I don't believe in my heart that a woman is capable of raising a man by herself. He needs that male influence. He needs to know about things we don't know about. We think we know everything. And we know a lot of things, but we don't. It takes a mother and a father. I heard people yelling about, um, I was listening to some podcasts to get some perspective on how we handle this uh, Men's International Day in November. And I was listening to women share about child support. I mean, men share about child support. And the, oh, this new thing, the side chick sharing about child support, right? And the misunderstanding is that all support is money. And listen, <laughs> dig it or ig it, it's gonna work for me either way. Until people understand that she can't trick you into having a baby and you can't trick her into having a baby. It takes two to tangle. You cannot go in the club without a mask and shoot the club out and then come out crying <laughs> foul. So there's some things we just have to get with. We're lost in a lot of ways, but there's so many more who aren't. And what we have to do is us so many more have to educate those who aren't. We so have to May I ask a question? You can ask because me anything you want, except how much money I got and who my baby is. That was going to be my first two questions. So now I'll move on to number three. <laughs> um, in terms of, you know, because I, I, I definitely understand everything that you're saying, and I appreciate the wisdom that you're sharing. And for me, whenever I talk, I talk about the difference between people and policy and individuals and institutions. Um, I also want to be mindful of individual situations and then things are institutional policies or protocol, et cetera. Understanding that when we think about the black community, whatever that is, right? Um, or people of color, whatever that is, right? Which I also have an issue with that term, but don't get me started. I'll get on the rant too, right? But when we talk about these folks, what are those institutions? Well, traditionally we've had institutions such as the barbershop, the church, the social club, all these pieces, right? So we've had all these institutions historically that have poured into the community and at least given folks a North Star of which way to go. You just mentioned the family. The Black family has continuously become to unravel, rearrange, change, fall apart. Um, so that's another institution that's been under attack internally and externally. Yes, externally, but internally, we, we do a lot of damage ourselves. We can, we can own that. We should own that. Um, so if all these institutions that used to be the pillars of Black excellence are slowly starting to crumble and fall apart, what is our role or what is going to change? You said we start at home. You said we start in our community. What does that look like? So I think about it as an educator. And I was just having a conversation with one of my colleagues today, right? And I'll, I'll share this now. I didn't test this anywhere else, but I'll share this now. And I've done this thought experience before. And I don't know who's watching, but whatever. I'm feeling a little froggy today, so I'm a leap, right? 
if we are to do this thought experience and say that educational institutions, particularly private institutions, independent institutions, or even public for that matter, let's just say that these educational institutions are plantations, right? Let's say they're plantations. So therefore I work on a plantation. Let's say I work on a plantation, an educational institution that's a plantation. And let's just say I identify as a freed man. I'm a freed person. My job, my role of responsibility as a person who stewards DEI work is to illuminate, enlighten, and help liberate and free folks. Do you think that a freed man back in the day, a freed person back in the day could waltz themselves onto a plantation and convince Massa to let everyone go? I'm not talking about the Bible and Egypt and Moses and all the help. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a real life plantation down south. Like a free person could just walk all down and try to free folks just by bargaining with them, leading workshops. So how do we free us? How do we free us? What what does that roadmap look like? What does that blueprint look like? Yes, we should start at home, but how do we start at home? Do you have any insight into what that might look like? I think the first thing that has to happen if we is we have to define what home should look like. And I already started two parents and they don't have to, I'd like them to live there, but if you are a father and you don't live there, I'd like you to be able to go there and spend time with your kids and your children and bring them out and participate in their uh, education and their healthcare and so forth, et cetera. And defining home, a home is a safe place. And most of our homes are not safe. The predators are real. So it gets really deep when you ask to define what a home, how are you going to teach a kid who comes to school, watched his mom or dad having sex all night with somebody that's not mom or dad, watched um, the blended family as we speak to him today, watched uh, somebody using drugs, selling drugs, hiding guns, you know, popping off with the rap and the this and the that and the other. How are you going to teach that child? They blame teachers for everything but the coming of God. I believe in God for the record. <laughs> they teach, they expose these kids to everything. Everything. It's impossible to teach a child who is traumatized. So we have to start looking at our mental health component in our homes as well. And and some of the people who are in and out of our house. When my kids were growing up, they'll tell you, they, they, my mother did it to me and I did it to them. You don't spend a night anywhere but here or my mother's house. And they would throw fits about it. You're mean. You're too strict. Nobody else's mother. I said, baby, deal with it in therapy. I did. And here's what my therapist told me. Your mother saved you from an experience that many other children had and won't talk about, but will act out on. So we have to look at our mental health component. What do we consider home? A safe place for a child to be reared and educated properly. What's properly? Clean clothes, a roof over their head, food, but safety first. Start there because I think they put a whole lot on teachers and social workers, and it's unfair. They want to send, first of all, 40 kids into a class where there should be 15, Mm -hmm. and then they want you to deal with the children's trauma and teach them at the same time. And then we have the notorious 
failure of no child left behind. Mm. Okay. We have children who are graduating, attempting to enter college, and they cannot read or write. What are you kidding me? They don't have to curse or write. Let's keep the real thing the real thing. But they have to be able to write. They have to be able to read, and they have to be able to comprehend. So education is the greatest thing of all. But there's nothing more powerful than the vote that shapes and forms policies that impact us. Bring the noise, baby. I'm here. Absolutely. That's a lot of wisdom and jewels that y'all was dropping. Appreciate that. And we're going to segue to our second half of the show, which is the question, where are we going? So I feel like we established where we are now. You know, I think both of you guys know that I'm a person who is full of solutions. This is probably my favorite aspect of the question. Where are we going? Or the way I hear it, where can we go? Right. So if we think about everything that has been discussed and I feel like it's been we've been blending, intertwining our thoughts with our passions and, you know, what each other is saying. So for me, as I said before, I was breaking it down. In you know, in terms of the three categories of health, wealth, and relationships, so for me, I feel like it's an it's pivotal for us to progress. Right, it's pivotal that we take our health seriously and also give that information to the next generation and make that a habit for them. Similar as brushing teeth and and bathing, it also needs to be like live, having a, a healthy lifestyle, right? Because we see our our main cause of death is avoidable with a with a healthier with a healthier uh, lifestyle and then in terms of wealth big kyle you you spoke to this before i think it's about time that we leverage our value and that we have in society right because we have a lot of talents but it's not under our control it's not under our stewardship and someone else is the major benefactor of it it and it always astounds me that a lot of people want to enter the record industry without understanding how that profit profit sharing actually works and how at least what 80 to 90 percent of the income generated by one artist goes to the label first of the parent label, not the label that they created. So I feel like there's there's a lot of education that needs to happen there. But I feel like we need to start conquering industries where our presence is lacking. So, of course, not just sports or entertainment. But the medical field, I feel like, is a great starting point, and we need a lot more representation there. And, of course, especially in education. And to your point, if we do view the educational system as a plantation, for, for me, I feel like it would make sense to use the, the foundation of, a, of an HBCU and blend that with something like the Petty School. And I think something amazing would happen, right? So you have elements where... We educate our youth to become entrepreneurs and then we can start building the next Tulsa's. We can create our own Wakanda, if you will. Right. Because you'll be able to have that element of wealth. And if you look at our demographics and our statistics, the amount of people we have and who are earning six figures or like high six figures. So let's say 200,000 and up, which is considered disposable income in America. Let's take America, for example. 
usually that income is created when you have your own business and entrepreneurship. So that's why I feel like that's that's going to be pivotal moving forward for where we're where we're going, because that's that's going to be essential. I mean, we always talk about black businesses, but I feel like we have to start uh, educating our youth about that. And of course, relationships. And I think, I know, of course, I feel like both of you agree with this and I agree with Chloe saying marriage is an essential pillar of defining our culture. And if we look at the most successful, uh, let's say, black communities in our history, they were all founded with families, right? So a mother and father raising children. I think that's very important. It's, I mean, again, we're all believers in our magnificent creator. There's a reason he created us that way. So it's time, I feel like it's about time we start, we start using that. Additionally, as Miss Annette alluded to, it's time to start grooming men and women to be husbands and fathers and wives and mothers, right? And as we know, the black family has been under attack since the civil rights movement. So as we were getting that collective solidarity, they were chipping us at the knees, right? So it's kind of like you're not watching what the other hand is doing, so to speak. So that's why we really need to have that solidarity. And especially after what we've seen in the past 24 months on social media and in the media in general, things like George Floyd and whatnot, I feel like the whole aspect of black on black violence, I feel like that shouldn't, that shouldn't be existed in 2022. I feel like we should understand that we're not each other's enemy. We're both, we're both the, uh, the victim here. Right. But at, at the same aspect, it's important to not be a perpetual victim because then you stay and oh, come and save me mode. I, I I need a savior to come and save me, as opposed to believing you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and create a way out. Yeah, yeah, um, all of that, all of that, and um, just sitting here listening to you, I'm I'm just doing some reflection, and I think that I've been an educator for over a decade now, and I've I've seen the progression of. You know, I've worked at a number of different schools. Um, secondary and post-secondary. Um, I work with a number of different populations. I've uh, worked closely with community-based organizations. I've worked closely with students from um, underserved communities, lower socioeconomic status backgrounds, et cetera. Um, I've worked with different types of family structures, et cetera. I've worked with the whole game. And of course, I, I'm going to keep coming back to the miseducation of the Negro or miseducation because again, it's Carter, Carter G. Woodson. It's, it's Black History Month. It's the first day. I'm going to keep coming back to that piece because I've never been the one to be out there engaging in respectability politics or saying, pull up your pants, young man, get off my lawn, blah, blah. blah. I've never been that type of person to police the culture in all the ways that they want to express themselves, right? Mm. However, what I'm what I'm witnessing is that back in the day, access to resources used to be the problem. Mm. We didn't have access. Folks kept talking about equality. You know, the civil rights movement was like, we are equal, we are equal. Black power movement was like, we know we equal. We don't have to argue that. Here's we come with we come with the ratchet now to let you know. Right. Because if you think we're not equal, we we good, we good on that. So we, we see all these shifts. Then you have the hip hop generation, all these other pieces. So we see these shifts, and then you have Black Lives Matter. Now you see these shifts, these ebbs and flows, et cetera. Right. Um, before there wasn't much access, folks were fighting to obtain or gain access. And don't get me wrong, that fight is still taking place. However, I'm talking specifically from the educational space and the seat that I sit in. 
it's not really an access issue anymore. Mm -hmm. These folks were born with technology in their hands. Literally, some folks straight out the womb, day two, they might be looking at a YouTube video. Baby shark, do-do-do, right? <laughs> they all in it. They all in it. That being said, is it really an access issue? No, it's in many ways a mental slavery issue. Mm. So it's not an access issue, it's an attitude issue. It's not a fact that policies need to be changed because some policies exist that actually benefit folks to access information and resources. It's the priorities that need to change, right? So when we talk about education, when we talk about where we're going, what are those tenets that we can agree upon? What are those values that we can instill in our children, instill in ourselves, live out loud, that allows us to understand that we have access to these things? Mm -hmm. We have access to YouTube videos that will give you free game. We have access to things like Earn Your Leisure. We have access to things like Dr. Boyce Watkins in the Black Business School. We have access to things like, you know, Dr. Chris Emden and his and his Tuesday chats on Twitter. We have access to that. We have access. So that's that can't be an excuse anymore. So what's the issue? What's keeping you from tapping in, plugging in, pulling up? Because Lord knows if there was Jordans or the iPhone, folks want to find a way to get access to that. So how can you get access to the resources that are really going to enrich your life? Instead of you making someone else wealthy, how are you going to make yourself wealthy? Mm. Instead of you building up other people's institutions, how are you going to start your own? So when we talk about these pieces, again, it's not the access issue. It's an attitude issue. It's not a policy issue in many respects. It's a priorities issue. And we have to be real with ourselves and have a conversation, call a spade a spade and call folks out, call people in, however you want to frame it, but get it done and have that conversation because we're doing ourselves the most disservice. And again, we can't wait for someone else to come free us. They're not coming. Yes. Because if they do come for us, it's to put us back in chains. So stop waiting for people to save us. So that so that's where I'm at with it. Where are we going? It really is really up to us. Yep. It's up to us. We can have our own demise and it could be our own hands, or we can realize the power, the brilliance, the excellence that we have, tap into all the resources that are available, leverage that, flip it to get more. And then as more and more priorities change, rearrange, and shift, we can continue to build out the solidarity space. We continue to trust and and understand that I'm not going to stab you in your back. I'm your brother, I'm your sister, et cetera. That's where we need to start. So where we're going, it can be the promised land or it can be the depths of hell, honestly. Absolutely. Go ahead, boss. I like that. I like that. And I think honestly and realistically living in my own reality and the reality of those with whom I have grown up with, in my community, it'll be a combination of both. And so the best we can hope to do is the best we can do. But we have to live in our reality. And in that, I think one of the first things that has to happen where we need to go is, you know, we talked about where we've been and some of the trouble we've had, tribulation. I think we, we would be able to do a lot if we could work to keep our kids out of the system. In every school, there should be a program that talks about careers, a whole segment class on it that's mandatory for every kid. And it talks to them about how to build a career, how to think about a career, how to choose a career, 
and had a plan for that career. And then I think we have to work more on supporting Black-owned businesses. Now, there are many excuses as to why we can't and we don't. And some of them have to do with poor service. If I get poor service, I'm not returning. But so many others will give people who don't look like us a chance when the first time Josh's door is not open at 8 o'clock on the nose, I'm not going back there. And then they don't. So there are many excuses as to why we don't. The, the third thing is, typically when we start businesses, we wanna pay our mortgage from those businesses. We need to learn about LLCs. And we always have to have a side hustle. I raised my kids like that. I talk to my nieces and nephews about that on the regular and show them how. I offer uh, classes with them online, even before we started the whole online thing, in family group chats, how to build a business, a small business. It doesn't take much. Had a nephew who came home from prison, and I said to him, you don't, you don't need a lot, but let's start with this. Let's start with you with a cleaning business. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to encourage another to get with apartment buildings and complexes and create a business where you just pick up the trash and take it to the trash bin three times a week. Make that money however you make it. You don't have to be a genius. And all education does not require school. It requires conversation, commitment, and know-how. And building simple businesses. You know, we talk about reentry programs. And Tracy Syfax, I have to give him a shout out because he's got a movement and he's really starting to get into it. And I appreciate that. It's from the block to the boardroom. We have to teach us how to get there. We can talk about building businesses and having success, but if we don't know how to get it, we can't get it. You know how many grants are out here in the state of New Jersey that you could apply for, don't have to pay back, and it doesn't require a whole lot? You know how many people don't have to lose their homes right now? They should apply for the assistance that's available because they lost their jobs and they weren't working. We have to know how to get it. So that's another program that should be in school, how to access the resources that are available to us. You spoke about that, and thanks for sharing that. We have to utilize, you know, our Black entertainment whenever we can and wherever we can. And sometimes that's hard because the other guy will do a gig for you for two hours for $150, and we want to charge you $375 and $400. We're trying to make that mortgage money, biggest mistake. We have to educate ourselves <clears throat> in our community and about our resources completely, and it's got to start in school. See, policy, we shape policy by the, the uh, politicians we elect. You have people tell you, I don't vote, it don't matter. And when they do that, we should be able to sucker punch them in the throat and not be charged because <laughs> they don't need to talk anymore. We should have outreach programs that deal with reentry and resources. Outreach, we go out, we give it to them. Mentorship work, I know I've done it my whole life. My mother preached it and practiced it in a different way. And I just picked it up from there. And my father was the lead in the house. I understand what that looks like. So we gotta show them what it looks like. Absolutely. And listen, I'm not knocking any woman who thinks she has the ability to raise a boy on her own. Go for it, look at our system. Look at it. Just look at it. 
the fathers, the sons, the uncles, the everybody in there. So, you know, we gotta we gotta look at things a little bit different. We have to create programs in our community that teach kids how to read and comprehend. Simple things. I like simple things. I like to kiss it, keep it simple. Yeah, that is key, especially for for progress. This we try to complicate things by maybe not being over ambitious, but we're we're trying to spend too many plates when we just need to focus on spending one plate first before we spend to the next. I know I made that mistake plenty of times. So it's just one of those things. And I also want to do some maintenance here and shout out to everyone in the chat who's been in there who's with the great comments. So let's go all the way back to brother Andre Robert Lee. It's so good to be back up in here. And I walked in and 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 her missing that given the word black history in the making. Claude Diz says marriage is an essential pillar of defining our community. And she also says it seems like there is a dissonance, great word, and just the basic rules of decorum in our community as well. Lack of synergy and everyone wants to be an individual with their own rules to our own detriment. And she also said trauma is not only normalized, it's praised. Absolutely. It's kind of a badge of honor for some people. It's praised as the status quo and what we should aspire to as a black person. If not, you run the risk of being ostracized. And Andre Robert Lee, the wonderful director that he is with some more bars, I take a little issue with the air of seeing something or some things wrong with black people. Where is the line to lifting us up and not putting down? Josh, can I can I wrap up here for a second? Absolutely. I want to first say that for those who didn't hear, I talked about what a great people we are. And I think so did, uh, what is it, Mikhail? Mikhail. Mikhail. The same thing. See, we hear what we want to hear. And I respect and appreciate that, too, because this is how we educate. Our first conversations led to what a great people we are. We are. And we are the majority all over the world. We are. We have to start looking at ourselves better. So in that, I just like to say that in supporting the community, we need more unity. And in that, I am going to take another risk and put it out here and ask every Black man listening today to honor and respect Black women, whether you like them or not. We build nations together, not apart. And we are great people. And that includes mothers. I don't care what your mother did. You wouldn't be here if she hadn't made you. And your father is the same. Learn to respect our families. It starts in the home, right? And in beginning with that, uh, I just want to tell you that I think we are some of the greatest people in the world. And I think many of us have great potential. But there's a woman on here who uh, wrote a comment that said, we want to individualize everything. And that's true. I spoke to a woman once and a guy once about starting a business where we chipped in money and bought property. No real responses. And then later, one of them actually went ahead and started the business without saying anything to me at all. That's how we do business. That's the stuff we've got to work on. Those are the things that matter. It's the little things that mean the most. So I have to hop off, but I want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity. And Mikhail, it was great meeting you and hearing you. I'd like another opportunity with you. Um, 
And I'd like to speak to both of you at some point, if and many more, about building this uh, National Recognition History Month for Black men. I appreciate that. I'm all, I'm all for that. I appreciate your words of wisdom, your insight, your perspective. Um, your, you know, sometimes folks need to, in this day and age need to be applauded for their courage, um, which is just you being who you are, but your courage um, to say the things that you want to say, um, despite whether it's popular or not. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely we can have a conversation moving forward. Absolutely. And and Mikhail, you have not seen her courage yet because you never actually saw her sing or witness her sing. Uh And let's Uh just say it takes an abundance of courage for her to do that. Boss, thank you once again for joining us. And we'll we'll definitely see you soon. Take those petty boots off. Have a good night. Thank you. All right. Can can you um, put the good brother Andre Lee's question back up there quickly? Yes, sir. Because when I read it, I I read it in a different light. Yeah, that one. Oh, okay. That one right there. Um, I read it in a different light. I don't know if that was coming directly to the space. I, I read it as a different light because for me, you know, what I what I tease out of this question, again, this is an educational piece. Remember how I said we all approach your point of entry, your point of view, those things are different. Um, I'm not sure what the point of entry or point of view is, but here's my point of entry and my point of view. Because I, I went directly to the piece. There's this, this is what you call a, a um, almost like a biconditional statement in the sense of like, you know, if and only if and all those other pieces, right? Um, so we have one piece here as I take a little issue of the air of seeing some things wrong with black people where is the line to lifting us up and not putting us down so I, I interpret that and, and and receive that as when can we tell black folks that they effing up mm. when can we take license and say what you're doing is damaging not only to yourself but to the whole collective Yes, even if you don't identify with the collective without having the mindset and mentality that there's something inherently wrong with you, number one. And then two, without putting you down when I'm trying to pick you up. That's how I'm interpreting this question. So I want to speak a little bit to that. And for me, it goes back to what I said at the beginning on the onset. It's like, whenever I have a conversation with folks about education, and I've, I've done you know a number of different things during Black History Month. One of the things I did was Black Minds Matter, talking about you know miseducation, um, media, um, and mental health. And I go through a number of different things. You could throw mass incarceration up there too if you want to have a conversation about the other M's and alliteration. If you want to just map it out, we can do that. Um, but in terms of moving from this model or cycle um, of a deficit, seeing things as a deficit, as a weakness, to a model of strength. And for me, how I try to live my life, which is difficult these days, particularly when you understand that not all skin folk are kinfolk. Not mm-hmm. all folks who say that they are down for the cause are down for the cause. Their cause might be to put you down or put down a movement, but they might not be down for the cause of the movement. They might be so down for a couple of dollars. Things. I'm sorry, what'd you say? They might be down for a couple of dollars. <clears throat> might be down for a couple of dollars, doing some strange things for some change, mm. right? However, what is my role to make sure that I can massage or finesse the situation? Letting folks know that this is not cool without putting down the collective or putting down that person in some cases. And for me, I think I always try not to have these type of real conversations in front of with mixed company. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't want to air our our dirty laundry, so to speak. Like that's a conversation for the culture. Everyone shouldn't have a front row seat, nor should they even have admission into the hall. 
So how can we have a conversation and make sure that we're really getting after it without other folks there, the white gaze, right? Being over everything. So how can we make sure that we're having this and making sense of this through the ways we make sense of our own cultural meaning, making ways of knowing, ways of being. And there's no outside external forces really trying to pervert the space. So we can actually hold each other accountable without worrying about this larger ripple effect. Mm. So that's how I interpreted that question. But that's just my response. And if that's not what the question was meant to be, it was good anyway, because it was a good launching pad for another observational reflection. Absolutely. And it's it definitely is a, a double-edged sword because in one aspect, sometimes if you don't have that white gaze, if you will, you might not get everyone's perspective on on our side right so that's that's uh that's i feel like that's what's going on especially in the content creator space you have a lot of great conversations with a black only panel which is fantastic however everyone can still see it to your point so it's kind of it's accomplishing what you want but it's also doing what you you already articulated which is it could also bring us down collectively because it's uh is on front street Unfortunately, so it would be great to figure out a solution where we can have that meeting of the minds with a, an abundance of people. And if it's, uh, let's say, abundance of the, the right people, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just to go back to what Annette was saying, it is important for us to start at home. Again, the good word says charity begins at home. Mm. Another word for charity is love. Um, a lot of us don't know what a love, what love is. Um, we don't experience love uh, we don't know what love looks like if love was to smack us in the face um a lot of folks are afraid of love um there's so many different things that are just perverted about love in the sense of oh no nah, man you know i don't need your help nah bro leave it like there's a lot of things that a lot of trauma we need to unpack as a people and if you want to talk about dr joy de you want to talk about epigenetics you want to talk about you know post-traumatic slave disorder you want to talk about all these other pieces there's trauma in our DNA. Kendrick Lamar said he got royalty and loyalty, but there's some trauma there too. Definitely. How do we deal with that? How do we unpack it? When you got a bunch of King T'Challa's out there and Killmongers who are both right. And both have trauma. How do you deal with that? Right. When, when multiple truths exist at the same time, how do you deal with those multiple truths, particularly when they might be competing against each other? These are questions we need to wrestle with. I don't have all the answers, Sway, but these are questions we need to wrestle with. <laughs> Absolutely. And Claude Diz says accountability and transparency is definitely needed. Unfortunately, sometimes people feel like when you're holding them accountable, you're, you're essentially like cussing at them. But in, when it isn't the case, it's really constructive criticism. And the reality is, if you didn't care, you wouldn't say it at all. And he also said, I think they see it anyway, regardless of our conversations. That's fair. Well, yes, Brother Yisrael, did you have any closing remarks before we head out? Yeah, you know, so there's there's things out there. And I, I'm tired of um, black folks as the collective, whoever we might be. But usually when we talk about black history, when we talk about black folks, it's usually defined by, if we want to use the term <clears throat> white supremacist thought and culture, that's a little bit more trendy and mainstream. We define things ourselves, but a lot of things that get populated or viral, et cetera, might be defined by folks who are not within the culture, not truly a part of the culture. 
maybe they're culture adjacent. Maybe they once weren't in the culture. Maybe they had their foot in the culture, dipped their toe in, but they jumped out, right? There's a lot of things out there, a lot of folks out there who <clears throat> are saying that, you know, we should do away with Black History Month. There's a lot of folks out there saying that, right? I offer this question. Are folks who identify as Jewish saying we should do away with Holocaust Remembrance Day? Mm. Are folks who identify as women saying we should do away with Women's History Month? Are folks who are a part of the LGBTQ community saying we should do away with Pride Month? Two things can exist at the same time. You can say that we should not have to have one and still celebrate one. You can say that Black history should not be confined to February and still have a Black History Month in February where we celebrate ourselves, how everyone is celebrating ourselves. Mm -hmm. You can do two at the same time. So I, I don't want us to be used as a, a guinea pig or always us being the ones who are under attack when it comes to let's change the world. Let's know we need to, a lot of things are misguided and it's coming from the wrong spaces. Additionally, and here's something that just hit me the other day because I was reading some articles. Because a lot of folks always say black history is American history. And I get it. I get why people are saying that. I've said it in the past before too, if we keep it a buck. Because what you're trying to say is that, listen, we have a story that matters. We built America, blah, blah, all these other pieces, right? But one person, his name is uh, LeGarrett King? LeGarrett someone. He's a, I think he's a professor at the University of Missouri. LeGarrett someone. I can't remember, but I shared articles with my, my faculty and staff. And it's a couple of things. He talks about developing a consciousness for blackness or creating consciousness for black. Yep, LeGarrett King. LeGarrett King, thank you. Dr. LeGarrett King, also, yep. Dr. LeGarrett King, I think is associate professor at the University of Missouri, somewhere down there. And he also said why black history is not American history. And one of the things that he lifted up again, is like, you know, we talk about 1776, the founding of this country, right? What were we doing? People who look like us doing in 1776. So is black history American history? We can have that conversation until we're blue in the face or black in the face, right? <laughs> we can have that conversation. But I just want to lift up this whole notion that we don't all have to think alike to be down for the same cause. Right. We need, I never, so Petty Connection, shout out to our vanilla brother, John Green, mm -hmm. who was one of my father figures slash mentor figures in this struggle we A call life. Absolutely. And he said to me one time, he was like, you know what, Mikhail, you've never been one to compromise. I'm like, hell yeah, I don't compromise. <laughs> But I really understand what compromise meant from this like 30,000 foot overview, the nuances of what compromise meant. I thought compromise meant giving up a piece of who I am, my soul, my, my well-being, my core. I didn't know it meant, you know, some things just aren't a priority where others are. So I can give in on this if I'm going to get this. Right. I can leverage this if it means, eh, you might not get that. Like, I, I understand compromise more now. So as long as you're not selling your soul and compromising who you are, there are some things that you can barter, give and take. That's what business is. Right. You might ask me for 10% equity in a company. I say, nah, five. At the end <laughs> of the day, we end at seven. That's a compromise. You're winning. I'm winning. Mm -hmm. So we need to understand what this compromise thing looks like.
Not all good compromise, not all compromises are created equal. Not all of them are good. Um, but we need to be a little bit more nuanced in, in, in our approach to building this thing out. So those are some of the things that are just like newer reflections and um, I guess insight that I've gained in 2022. Absolutely, because it is key because I think sometimes we feel like, you know, education is the end all be all when, of course, it isn't right, because we're going to learn something new every single day. There's people who are, you know, our grandparents age and they're still learning things. Right. So if you always have that mindset that you're never the finished product, I feel like not only will you strive to improve yourself, but you'll also pay it forward and uh, give back like how, as Miss Annette was saying with mentorship and whatnot. I mean, mentorship would help a lot, especially with our black brothers and black sisters. That would that would that I think that would help tremendously if we committed to that for the next, let's say, generation, the next 20 years. We would see a different different us. I would say we would see more of us in terms of more of who we truly are, not necessarily what's being presented in the media and in entertainment. So I think that's definitely key. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So once again, want to shout out our guest, Miss Annette. Want to thank the Professor Israel for the wonderful topic that stimulated this amazing conversation. Want to thank Mrs. Yizzy, right? Eve Rose, Claude Diz, and Brother Bullock for also sponsoring the show. And again, we'll see you next month because we're going to do this every month now. Should we say first first Tuesday of the month? We can make that happen. Okay. Excellent. And all right, everybody, you have a great night and God bless. You repeat what they created and get power to hate. But worst of all, we disappoint all the greats. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Yeah. Hey. Black lives matter.